Well, before I let the uh, dismiss the little ones, let me just go through some announcements. A couple of, uh, actually, a number of things. Family groups um, will all have kicked off as of Tuesday. So there's going to be a, there's family groups on Wednesday, Friday night, and Tuesday night. And if you'd like to be involved in that, um, just another way that we can connect at a, at a, at a more intimate level and get into God's Word. So come and talk to me if you have any questions about that. Uh, just looking ahead, October 12th, you might have seen that on the screen for a number of weeks. Um, we're going to do some seminars on how to share our faith with those we love. And so on October 12th, um, have we figured out, has it, has it been confirmed for here? It'll be here October 12th at 7 o'clock, is that correct? 7 o'clock on October 12th right here. Uh, it's a Friday night, so we kind of did it for that, for Friday night to get as many people as we can. Uh, Wes Hine from Power to Change at Mount Royal is going to be our, our um, kind of our workshop leader. But I think you'll find that valuable if you're thinking through how to. He's just going to be sharing not only kind of a practical, but he's also going to be sharing some stories of what has worked for in his, in his context. Uh, and then we'll do that again in November. But it'll be a different theme, this time working through our story, so knowing exactly what to share. So October 12th, uh, 7 o'clock here at the church. And then um, we're in need of people to dive in and help in different places. And this week I just want to highlight kind of at the back, we'd like to get different people on the schedule for Proclaim, Working the Sound. There'll be some training. So if you could help out in that area, talk to the guys at the back or talk to Rebecca. I think everybody knows you, but just make sure. Um, and, and with Rebecca in mind, she called me about three weeks ago and said, Dad, I think you need somebody to kind of put your life in order. She didn't put it in those words. But basically, can I volunteer to be an administrative assistant? And uh, so she's doing that on a weekly basis. Every Monday we sit down, we look at my calendar, look at the things that need to be done, how she can kind of help in that. And that's been huge already. And uh, so she's kind of putting together a contact list, numbers, so we can get better at communicating, stuff like that. Um, probably if you want to get things done, you want to talk to her, and then we'll go from there. And what else on there? Men's study. We're looking at uh, starting men's groups, kind of like the ladies are doing, uh, but we want to kind of tailor it to your schedules. And so next Sunday, I know it's Thanksgiving Sunday, but next Sunday, any of the men who are here, we're going to do a five-minute, just right after the service, five minutes, I kind of explain what we're doing and want to hear some feedback from you. And then the following week, we want to start something, okay? So you know Jay's been texting and, and emailing and all kinds of stuff, trying to get people together. Him and Sam have been trying to pull something together, and um, I think this, this would be really good. So that's next Sunday, and then if you aren't there, there will be follow-up information about that. And then finally, Sunday prayer meetings. Every Sunday before the service at 10.55, if you want, come early, gather with us downstairs, and we're praying for the, um, the, the service that, that's ahead. I think that's it. Let me pray for the little ones as they head off. Toddlers, let's just... Uh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of children. And you've blessed this church with a number of little ones. And Lord, we thank you. And would you give us the wisdom and the love to know how to raise them? I think specifically for the parents, 
But Lord, even as a church, help us to know how to come alongside those parents to encourage them and, and, um, in, 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 in their walk. And so, Lord, now just would you just uh, go with the little ones and bless them and encourage them, be with the leaders even now. And um, we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. So as they're heading down there, you've got your Bibles. Either turn or turn or pull it up on your app to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. As we continue on our journey through this uh, just beautiful letter. I'm going to read all of chapter 2, but our focus is verses 5 through 18, okay? Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little, for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him. Who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil." and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's pray. Lord, these are your words, they're not mine. And uh, because they're your words, you're the king of the universe, you are the creator of the universe, you are our redeemer. Uh, We ask you to take these words and breathe them into into our hearts, our minds, and change us. Would you be a speaker this morning? 
In your precious name we pray. Amen. We've got a lot of stuff to get through. Um, but very quickly, just kind of to, to remind of where we've been, I think that's really important. Chapter 1, we began by saying that, that God used to speak through the prophets, but now he speaks through his son. And so there's a sense where God, um, where Jesus is better than the prophets. And then it quickly moves into where Jesus is better than the angels. And there's a big segment of, in chapter 1 on that. And, and, and the idea probably, quite likely, is if God spoke through the prophets and who brought the, who brought the message from God to the prophets, it was the angels. We see that in Deuteronomy 31, 33, verse 1 and 2, where, where, the, um, where it was angels were present in, in, in the bringing of the law to Moses. So in light of that, some people were probably asking, likely asking the question, well, yeah, he's greater than the prophets, but is he actually greater than the angels? And very clearly, using the Old Testament, taking seven different passages, he clearly articulates that Jesus is far better than the angels. In fact, in two places he says he is none other than God and none other than Yahweh, the one who created the world. Making a huge statement. Then... Last week, we looked at verses 1 and through 4 in chapter 2. And really, it's kind of a parenthesis. He almost stops and pauses for a minute and says, in light of what you heard, I want you to pay close attention to this message, what you've heard, this message about Jesus. Who he is and what he's done. Because if you don't, you'll drift, you'll neglect, and there, could, there is great consequences, punishment in neglecting or drifting. And that was last week, and we focused on that. This week, it's almost like he's picking up the theme of Jesus is better than the angels. So it's almost like he's talking about Jesus is better than the angels, and then he pauses for a minute. This is really important. Focus on it. And then he goes, Jesus is better than the angels. But there's a slight twist in chapter 2, verses 5 and beyond. He says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, in, in, in this section, I think, as I see it, he's focusing not so much on, his, on Jesus' deity, but on Jesus' humanity. Okay? And this, is, this is critical and really important. Now, there's a multitude of ways that I think we could faithfully organize this text. And if you read enough commentaries, you'll see that many have faithfully organized it in different ways. But I, I think for, for, for my memory's sake, and hopefully it helps for your memory's sake, I've broken it up into three word pictures about Jesus. Okay? So the first one is, uh, is, is King Jesus. The second one is Pioneer Jesus. And the third one is Deliverer Jesus. Okay? So King Jesus, Pioneer Jesus, and deliverer Jesus. And, and I think the, the author of Hebrews and the Spirit of God wants us to, to have these uh, ideas, these thoughts of Jesus before us so that we grow in our love for him. Verses 5 through 9, King Jesus. Now, if you read that and reread that and reread that, you will not see the word king. Don't throw stones yet. I think the idea is there. Notice in verse 5, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. 
he, he says that again in verse 8, the second part of verse 8. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. In other words, he's in charge. And then, then follow along to verse 9, partway through, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor. And so you got this, this picture of Jesus who is crowned with glory and honor, and I'll get back to that, but everything is in his control. Sounds like a king. So King Jesus. But as we unpack that, I want you to pay close attention to uh, um, a couple of pieces here. Let's take a look at verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. And so he's saying this Jesus is in control of all things, but, but he's looking be ahead when everything will be under his control. Future tense. And so there's a theme that we see in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. We're looking for a better day. And yet, follow your finger down to verse 8. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him. It's as if, hold it. He's in control of all things now, but he will be in control of all things. So it's already true, but it's not quite yet true. You have this idea flowing right here already. He left nothing outside of his control. Now before we um, go through, let's, in order to, to substantiate his, his, his statement, in verse 6, 7, and 8, our author actually takes us back to the Old Testament. You're st probably starting to notice a theme with the Hebrew author. He keeps bringing us back to the Old Testament to show us Jesus. And in this case, he takes us to Psalms chapter 8, which is a psalm written by David. And, and it begins in verse 1 of chapter 8 with this statement, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And in fact, if you, in chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, it ends with that phrase, Oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then the psalm goes into, like, when we stare at the stars and we stare at, stare at what God has created, we have to ask the question, verse 6, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Have you ever had that thought? You look at the vastness of the universe or you, you stand at the edge of the ocean or you stand at the foot of one of the mountains and you go, what God has created is just astounding. Who am I? And I think David's doing that in that text. And then he goes on, he says, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. What's happening there? You have crowned him with glory and honor, created in his image, Verse 8, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Well, if we think of humanity and we think go back to the creation, Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. And they were given dominion over what? Everything. How did they do? How have we done? 
Not so good. The author of Hebrews now says that what David was writing about in Psalm chapter 8 is actually about Jesus. And now let's look at this through the lens of Jesus. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? What was Jesus' favorite expression about himself as he walked on this earth? Son of man. He continually asked himself, people, like, he would continually refer to himself as a son of man. You go through the Gospels, he does it all the time. Uh, I had a skeptic once ask me, well, why would he do that? Doesn't he want us to know that he's God himself? I'm like, good question. But he's also wanting us to know that he is human. And you think, well, that would have been obvious. He is human. And there's an expression here that he's talking about. His, he's speaking about his humanness. But also, in the Hebrew mind, that phrase, son of man, would have brought their attention back to the prophet Daniel. Remember Daniel? This is, this is his words, Daniel chapter 7. He had a vision. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And so when Jesus is saying, I'm the son of man, he's going, yes, I'm human, but he's also pointing to that vision back there of one who will come in the presence of the ancient of days, God himself, and given a kingdom and given a people and given everything, he's control of everything overall. And so when, when the Hebrew author is quoting Psalms chapter 8 and saying this is none other than Jesus, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. He comes to this earth in what? In the form of a baby, a poor baby. The angels are, are telling the world about this child. You've crowned him with glory and honor. What happens when he was raised from the dead and, and where did he ascend it into the heaven and he was given a crown, a glorious crown? So this child is now at the right hand of God the Father putting everything in subjection under his feet. The Spirit of God is telling us that this is actually about Jesus himself. Now, he goes on, now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. So think through your last week. God, Jesus, was in complete control of every situation. That's a strong statement. Look at the next phrase in verse 8. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. I like that honest statement right there. I don't know if you've read the news this morning. I just quickly saw the headlines, but in Indonesia, earthquake, tsunami, uh, early reports, 800 dead. They say that number is going to just mushroom. 
everything's in control. He's got everything under his control. As I was preparing this message, I was thinking back 12 years ago. I was talking to my Uncle Sid. I was standing beside him here, and to our right was my mom's casket. I remember our conversation because we were talking about death and, and my mom's casket. And, and, and there's so many days in, as, as I, I go through life that I just want to pick up the phone and call my mom. I don't know about you, but moms sometimes understand you in a way that nobody else does. But I can't. I thought Christ was in control. I've talked to a number of you in our church, those who are here and those who aren't here, who, who struggle with deep depression and go through it at, at, through different seasons. For some of you, it's just like, and, and explain it in a way that I, I, I honestly don't completely understand, but it's just there's a seasons even, it's just darkness, and it's hard, to, it's hard slugging. And I hear that story, and my heart just goes, ah, and you go, okay, well, hold it. I thought Jesus had everything in, under control. Every one of us in this room struggles with, with, with various sins. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's greed. I want something more. Maybe it's, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a multitude of stuff. And, 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 and we're, we're working through life, and we're struggling. And, and we know we're a new creation, but we're struggling with these thought Jesus had everything. He does, but look at verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. And so there's a sense he does. He's in charge. He's on the throne. But we're still waiting for the completion of it. Now look at what the, our author says. Verse 9. But we see him. Who do we see? Jesus. Who for a little while was made lower than the angels. He became a man. He, 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 he became a child. The incarnation. But, but we see him for who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor, because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Why was he, why was he given this crown of glory and honor? Because he went to the cross obediently. Suffered death. This King Jesus went before us. And, and really, that he did this out, of, out of, of grace and kindness, and that's where we move into verse 10. Not only is he King Jesus, but he's, our, he's Pioneer Jesus. Now, where do I get Pioneer? If you've got an ESV in front of you, you look halfway through verse 10, and you see the founder of their salvation. You see that? If you have a different translation, it might have a different, a different word. Some translation says the author of our salvation. Some, some, some of your translations will say the captain or the leader of our salvation. Some will say the pioneer of our salvation. The, the, that very word has a, a number of shades of meaning, but you get the idea. So a number of years ago, uh, when I was, um, probably about three, four years ago, I think it was, 
during Heritage Week, so first week of August, Calgary does something where it's kind of interesting. They they take you on various tours of parts of the city, and you get a, a kind of a kind of a bit of a history of the city. That's really there's some really good little tours you can do for free. It's kind of cool. I went to the um, a couple of them. One of them was a tour I went to uh, the um, I'm probably pointing in the wrong direction, but it's a graveside up by the Stampede Grounds. And so what they did is we walked around the, the, the graveyard there, and, and this historian was walking us through to different grave sites and explaining who this character was and when they came and, 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 and their contribution to the city of Calgary. One of them was the first known white man that actually settled in this area. And quite a, quite a uh, colorful um, stories of his life, but each of those individuals were pioneers. They went before us. They shaped who and what Calgary is, right? And in a similar vein, Jesus is our pioneer. He, as a human, went before us so that we might have salvation. He's a pioneer of our salvation. He's the leader, the captain of our salvation the founder of our salvation. Now let's dig into the text a little bit. Verse 10 says, For it was fitting that he, who's he? That's referring back to God, not Jesus. For it was fitting that God, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, in bringing people to Jesus, in bringing people to a place in that future place, right? in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Who is the founder of our salvation? Jesus. And made him perfect through suffering. You go, okay, hold it. Isn't Jesus already perfect? Isn't he God? And you're right if you're thinking that. But the point is that Jesus, Jesus proved his perfection, showed his perfection, as he walked as a human through this life by always submitting to the Father, even to the point of death. Now Adam, our first father, how did he do? Oh. Disobeyed. Failed. Fell short. Christ was faithful, perfect. And so we go on. For he who sanctifies, context there is Jesus, the one who makes us holy, that's Jesus. And those who are sanctified, that's the, 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 those who are reading this letter, that's us as believers. Those who are being sanctified, they all have one source. What's he talking about there? Now, there's, there's different ideas, different translations will say different things. I, I think the NIV has this right when it says they all have one family. I think the rest of the, ch- the verses will unpack that for us. Okay? So hang on to that thought, and let's move on in verse 11. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, verse 12, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Now, to 
help us understand that thought, he then takes us back to the Old Testament. And he's going to prove his point. And he takes us to two different passages. There's three quotes there. You'll probably see it in your text. But from two different passages. The first quote is from Psalm 22. The second quote is from Isaiah chapter 8. We're not going to deal with Isaiah 8 because of time, but we're going to look at Psalm 22. If you want to go for coffee, we can talk a lot about Isaiah 8. But let's take a look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22, another psalm written by David, begins with these words, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where else have you heard that? On the cross, yes. Jesus on the cross says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and, and the angst of his spirit, he cries this out. But I think in that moment, he's also saying, I want you to go back to Psalm 22 and take a look at that because it's talking about me and about this moment. And so let's carry on in reading Psalm 22. Let's take a look at verse 7 and 8. All who see me mock me and make mauls at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Doesn't that sound like around the cross? They're mocking Jesus around the cross. They're telling, why don't you, he trust in the Lord. Why don't you come on down? Why don't you let him send his angels and save you? Let's go on. That's not going to read the entire psalm, but look at verses 16 through 18 of Psalm 22. For dogs encompass me. Whoa talking about the people around him. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Who was that, Jesus? Even though David writes it a thousand years earlier, he's, it's, it's so clear now. This is really about Christ. I count all my bones. Remember, none of his bones were broken. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing... They cast lots. What did the soldiers do at the foot of the cross? They took his garments and they gambled for it. And in, the, in that context, we get to verse 22, and we read verse 22, which is really the quote that's found in Hebrews chapter 2. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And in Psalm 22, it's like crazy. It's just lamenting and this... It's like, what is going on? God has forsaken you. And all of a sudden in verse 22, it's like, hold it. I'm going to tell of your name, God, to my brothers in the congregation. I'm going to praise your name. God just forsook you. All the world was mocking you. And, and now you're saying that, and the, and the writer of the Hebrew uh, Hebrews is saying, this messianic psalm you can't stop at the cross you've got to look beyond that what did jesus do in matthew 28 matthew 28 we have this incredible picture mary magdalene and, and the other mary comes to the to the to the tomb they find there's this earthquake they find the stone is gone they find the body's missing and an angel says he is risen then they meet jesus and what does jesus say to them go and tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. In Hebrews chapter 1, 
Jesus is referred to as the God or Yahweh who laid the foundation of the earth. Now, hang with me, okay? Hebrews is tough. We've got to work. We've got to work to understand it, but it's important because we've got to put Christ right here. In chapter 2, this is a man that went to the cross. Significant. Because if it was not a man, he could not call us brothers. Dear friend of mine who's now with Jesus, at the time I think he died, he was, he was an avid biker. He was hit by a vehicle. Uh, it was, it was one of those days where I, I had to go and, 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 and um, go to the, the scene, the accident scene, and, and actually identify his body. Uh, I remember walking out of there just shaking. Gord was uh, from New Zealand. Just, just, just eccentric, had a PhD in, in some type of, I think, physics or something. He spent most of his life in small town Alberta, but he was from New Zealand. He was married... He had been married to two different polio victims. Uh, both of them were um, paralyzed, and he cared for them just amazingly. Um, he was on one of my leadership teams, just loved this man. Uh, but he, when, when he would start talking about things, usually I didn't understand anything he was talking about because he was far brilliant, more brilliant than I was, but I still remember him on a number of occasions. He just loved Jesus. And one time he was mourning, he was just talking about his, his own fallenness and his shortcomings, and he, and, he, and, he, and he stood up before the congregation, and he said, I can't get over the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, after his disciples ran away from him, the first words that he says to, to Mary and Mary is, go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. The writer of the Hebrews is saying that this Jesus, who is our pioneer that goes before us, who is our King Jesus, who is overall, is our brother, is our family. That's something that should stun us all week. That the God of the universe, the one who created the world, is also considers us brothers and sisters. Now this is important. Our author continues. He says, verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, this Jesus, if you would have pinched him, he would have bled blood like us. We share flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook in the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. And then in verse, he goes on, that is the devil. And then verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He's not only King Jesus, he's not only Pioneer Jesus, but he is our Deliverer Jesus. And what does he deliver us from? The one who has the power over death, that literally the devil, what does he deliver us from? The slavery we're enslaved, where there's this fear of death. One thing we have in common, we may differ on hockey teams, but we're all going to die. Every one of us. 
Jesus went before us and partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who is the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 16, For surely it is not angels that he helps. This Jesus came to this earth and became a man to help who? He helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, verse 17, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. I could say another word picture, but we're going to use a high priest for later because he's going to dive into that. But under that idea of deliverer, he's, he's none other than human. He dies. But what? remember the high priest? What did the high priest do in, 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 in the uh, Jewish ceremonies? Once a year, they, the, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. But he just wouldn't you know, just kind of walk in and waltz in and go, Hey, God, how you doing? He brought with him the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb covered him, and the blood of the Lamb was splattered on the mercy seat. And because of that blood, he, the high priest could go in on behalf of the people, and, and God forgave the sins of the high priest and the sins of the people. And now God would continue to dwell with the people of Israel. But once a year he could do that. But we needed a high priest who would take his own blood and walk into the Holy of Holies. And on behalf of us, open the door so that we could be in the presence of God the Father so that we could look forward to that day, that day, glorious day, when we will be with Christ and be with Him. Therefore, He had to be made like His brothers in every respect so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. What does He mean by that word propitiation? Powerful word, important word. Some of your translations won't even have that word. It needs to be there. Meaning, makes atonement for. He's, 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 he's making, making right so that, that, that God's wrath and God's judgment and God's anger, because we're sinners and we deserve that, because God's wrath and anger and judgment will be appeased. Because Christ took our place. Christ paid our penalty that we should have paid. But we needed a high priest to do that for us. Verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you see the practicality of all that? Because we have a, a, a God who has become a man, a God who faithfully walks through life, completely submitting to the Father, even to the point of death. We have somebody who understands us. And so not only is he in complete control of all things, 
But when you're standing at the side of the casket of your mom, he's been there. And you're tempted to go, this is crazy. I don't like this. I just, this is like, you're tempted to, to flee and instead you can flee to him and he understands. In, in the midst of your maybe darkest, darkest moments, the dark nights of, of, of your soul, he understands. It, it, now, now we have to, our challenge is to, 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 to lift our, our, our eyes, to lift our eyes up to this Jesus and see him for who he is and, and put our faith and our trust in him because it's so easy just to see what's around us. Or, or as we're struggling with those things, anger or, or pride or greed or whatever that might, might be the case, or our challenge is just to turn our eyes to Jesus. So you, we, you walk this world. You understand. You, you've been there. Would you help? He does and he can. He does and he can. Our challenge for us is much like last message is is it's the tendency for us is to drift away. That's our tendency. Remember the illustration of the kayak? I said, we could get in that kayak, and the water could seem to be really calm, and we could be talking to the, the other kayak, the person in the other kayak. So I'm thinking of Lynn. She's in the other kayak, and she's faster than me anyway. So, so I always try to slow her down and just stop paddling, you know, if we can talk. And invariably, what do we do? We drift. We're heading there, but if we stop, if we stop paddling, it's not that we don't want to get there. It's just that we... And so we've got to keep our eyes on the focus. We'll focus on Jesus. And our text here is, it isn't really so much pointing to Jesus as God, but our text here is saying Jesus is a human, but he's king. He's in control of everything. He will be in control of everything. Turn your eyes to him. He's, he's a pioneer. He's gone before us. He's our deliverer. Look to him. Whatever this week will bring you, turn your eyes to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, this 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 chapter, this this book is remarkable. And quite frankly, I don't I don't I I don't do justice to it. I pray that your spirit would graciously cause the words on this page to ignite and and, and shape each of us. If there's someone in this room that doesn't know you or doesn't put their trust in you, for I pray that, Lord, that you would awaken them for their need to do so. But for all of us, Father, we, we, we struggle with trusting you. There's moments when it is hard to lift up our eyes and to see you. But Lord, would you help us to do that? And help us to see you as our king in complete control. Help us to see you as our pioneer. You've gone ahead. To help us to see, Jesus, you as our deliverer. You've put an end to the power of the devil. 
and the power of the grave. Thank you. Lord, someday I'm going to be in the presence of not only you, but my friend Gord and my mom because you've gone before us. In your name I pray. Jay and Rochelle, lead us in music. Let's gather around the table just pausing to remember those three things about Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Christ, if you put your trust and faith in Him, then you are welcome to join us. Um, We just come down the middle of the aisle, we take a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup, and we stop and remember Him for what He's done. and sit or stand let's, let's join and sing together let's remember and let's proclaim man of so